Pop Sugar Rush is brought to you by Prime Video. Sign up to watch all the series and movies you'll love, like the new season of The Summer I Turn Pretty or the steamy Spanish hit movie My Fault. Welcome to Pop Sugar Rush, your place to fill up on everything pop culture faster than we can also part ways with Scooter Braun. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you like that one? I'm writer, editor, eternal doom scroller, tragically online Jackson Langford. And I'm the girl you've seen on your For You page, Star MCG. And we're here to dish on all things celebrity, streaming and reality TV. Every Friday we'll be unwrapping the best and worst in the pop culture news you've been craving but are too busy to indulge in. How are you doing? I am doing great. How are you? I am delightful. I am just all the better for seeing you. You were just in Melbourne for a day. Yes, I was, and um, can report that I'm feeling extremely jet-lagged. People don't talk about enough... (laughs) People don't talk enough about the time difference between Melbourne and Sydney. That is exactly zero minutes. (laughs) So my jet-lag, as you can imagine, this morning is very bad. I'm a fly-in, fly-out content creator, and it was just a big day, doll. She's a jet setter, and we (laughs) thank you for your service because now you're here with us. Happy to be here. I was so excited to see you this morning. Thank you. I have been absolutely nowhere and I'm still tired. So (laughs) (laughs) none of us have any excuses. Jawbreakers of the week. We need to talk about this. We do. I saw the most insane petty tweet I've (gasps) seen in like three hours earlier today. I live for petty tweets. Also, can we just clarify, uh, we call still calling them tweets? I'm still calling it tweets. <laughs> he can call it whatever he bloody wants. I have not stopped calling Coke Zero Coke Zero. Same. Actually, yeah. And I will not stop calling Twitter. Twitter. I'm with you on that. He can... Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> we'll save that for another you know, episode. Exactly. Um, no, it was um, a Instagram story that producer-songwriter extraordinaire Jack Antonoff posted. Yes, I'm, I'm aware of Jack Antonoff. Recently married Jack Antonoff, married Margaret Qualley, who's the daughter of Andy McDowell. The Nepo Baby universe expands. Um, And he posted a meme that was about Scooter Braun. Trigger warning, Scooter Braun. TW Scooter Braun content coming. Um, And he said, it was a meme that was like, not now, sweetie. Mummy's trying to find out why Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato and Justin Bieber have left Scooter Braun. And then someone retweeted that, (laughs) being like, Jack Antonoff's on his honeymoon. Imagine seeing him rolling over, posting about Scooter Braun on his phone. Which I thought was very funny and very petty. <laughs> wait, so wait, Jack Jack Antonoff didn't post this. No, he posted the not now, sweetie. Oh. He posted that on his Instagram story. And then some uh, no, female hysterias, that's this Twitter user's name, posted that. Be like, imagine being Margaret Qualley, rolling over on your honeymoon, and Jack Antonoff's like no. trolling Scooter <laughs> Iconic though. He's like, good morning, husband. And he's like, not now, sweetie. Literally. Drama first, <laughs> tea first, holy matrimony later. Um, so for those who don't know, Scooter Braun is this like music manager extraordinaire, managed at one point uh, Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato, Justin Bieber, Carly Rae Jepsen, The Kid Leroy, the list goes on. Big player in the industry. 
a little beef with Taylor Swift. <laughs> I think the timing of it all is really interesting. And if you are listening to this podcast, one thing you need to know about me is that I am chronically online. And one thing I love the most about the internet is going down a bit of a rabbit hole, mm-hmm. especially on TikTok. And I've been doing just that about this whole Scooter Braun situation. Obviously, we've already mentioned there's a bit of beef with Taylor Swift. And a general theme on TikTok seems to be all these conspiracy theories that Taylor Swift is potentially launching her own record label. Yeah, yeah. So, did you not know about this? I did not know about that. Oh, well, yeah. I'm chronically, I mean, like, chronically, chronically on the talk. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, so... All of the Swifties are doing a deep dive on every single piece of content that Taylor has brought out, as we do, because, you know, she loves an Easter egg. I say Mm -hmm. we because I'm, like, representing the Swifties right now. So we've heard a lot about Karma. We know Karma is a song that she came out with, but people are speculating that Karma is going to be either an album or it's going to be her record label. But then there's another kind of sub-conspiracy theory that potentially the record label is going to be called The Summit because, you know, in Karma, the song, she says, Karma takes all my friends to the summit. (gasps) Yeah. And that she's going to sign... Potentially. But, see, the issue I see with this conspiracy is Justin Bieber. I I don't (laughs) think... I mean... I'm a believer. End of sentence. Back in the day. Uh, full stop. Next segment. <laughs> Obviously, we know the history with JB and Selena Gomez. Selena Gomez, Taylor Swift, besties. Do I really see that being a relationship, a business relationship in the future? Maybe not, but we can never say never. I'm just here to report on the conspiracies. Spoonful. I have been knee deep in streaming new movies that I never thought I would like. Mm. And I have a question for you. I'm ready. Do you, are you someone that is a diehard book fan and gets very emotionally attached when they adapt it to a film or television show? Absolutely I am. Yeah. Like how bad? Like everything that I consume, I make it part of my personality, uh, whether that's film, TV, books. But I mean, there's been something that everyone has been chatting about a lot over Mm -hmm. the past couple of weeks and it is a film adaptation of a book. Exactly. Um, so Red, White and Royal Blue is streaming now on Prime Video. It's like taking over online. I haven't read the book, but you have. I have read the book, yes. So I we... read it over the summer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay. Let's just give a quick little synopsis of what it is in case you missed it without any spoilers, mm-hmm. of course. So Red, White and Royal Blue. I find that really hard to say. It's very difficult. R, W and B. Oh, no, wait. R-B. No, that's still R-W-R-B. But R- even that doesn't roll off No, it does. It's all the R's. They're, they're hard to say. Okay, Red, so... Red, white, and royal. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just go with it. So this was a massive book on BookTok over the past year or so. So mm-hmm. BookTok, if you don't know, it's a side of TikTok where people recommend books, things go super viral, and I guess that's how these film adaptations come to be because this mm. book is so adored by so many. So just a brief little synopsis of the film. We have got the first son of the United States, So the president of the United States' son, Alex, and then we have Prince Henry, who is, he's like the, he's the spare. He's not the prince. Yeah, he's not in line. He's, he's in the royal family in the British monarchy. Yes. Um... And it's a. And they it's, love each other. They love each other. It's like a political romance. There's a lot of like politics involved, yeah. of course, because of these two massive figures. And then there's their love story and all these other things that we are not going to spoil. But no. What are your thoughts? Three things. One, <laughs> can you imagine if like Prince Harry was like 
maybe not Prince Harry, he's a bit old. Someone younger than Prince Harry in the British monarchy was like, fell in love with like Malia Obama. Like (laughs) the scandal that would cause. I know. But I think that's what makes it so exciting because it's like in the real world, what would be the actual likelihood of... A love True. story like this happening. There's probably so much like red tape around it. Like, yeah. it's probably forbidden. The second thing is that in the film, Uma Thurman plays the president of the United States. Yes. Which is deeply relatable to me <laughs> because she is my president <laughs> and my mother and has been since Kill Bill. But the third thing is that I find it, I found it really interesting that it was like the forbidden aspect I guess of it wasn't the fact that they were gay or queer I think Alex is bisexual and Henry is gay but it was the political element of that and I found that I'm wondering if them approaching queerness in that way just like unashamed yeah has like really struck a nerve and made people love it because we've had queer rom-coms in the past that just haven't done well, that flopped for whatever reason. What specifically did you love about the book when you first read it? And did that translate to the film? It did translate to the film, but it's obviously going to be different. Like if I was Mm. the one who created the film, it's going to be exactly how I imagined it in my head. I really, the thing with the book is that it's obviously a lot, you get a lot more invested, right? Mm. Because they can't put literally, like I personally would have loved to see Red, White and Royal Blue as a series as opposed to a film. And I've seen a lot of TikToks as well saying, I wish that they were able to do this because there were some key things in the book that weren't in the film. But it's an adaptation, you know, it's not going to be verbatim yeah. exactly what happens. But I think sometimes that can go wrong with film adaptations of books. But, it, you know, the gen- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we've seen it. If you know, <laughs> you know. But yeah, what I really loved about the love story in the book is like the, the journey that the characters go on. Because mm. at the start, you know, Alex, without giving too many things away, Alex is kind of like coming to terms with his sexuality. And that is one of the first experiences that he has kind of had. Like he's had a few before, but totally. this is a first time that he's properly experiencing that one and potentially actually developing feelings for Mm -hmm. them. And one thing that I was really kind of worried about when I heard that the film was coming out was one of the key things in the book is the communication that the two of them have, which text messages and emails. Like you actually get to read their entire conversations and they're really cheeky, really fun, really flirty with each other. Yeah, in the movie it was like... I like you don't see them, but it alludes to them being like quite risque. Yeah, it was it was really spicy. I'm like, is this like a government issued phone? Like, how is this happening? <laughs> Sending dudes on the royal Literally. phone. <laughs> so I really loved that part of the book, and I was thinking, how are they gonna pull this off in the film? And I was watching some TikToks this morning. And people are doing full scene analysis of every single scene and oh breaking God. it down. And there's a lot of praise for the way that they displayed the comms between mm. them. I, th- I thought it was it was really interesting the way they did it. Like the messages were popping up on the screen. They even had one scene where the two of them were in the same room. They weren't actually in the same room, but it's like their text yes. message conversation yes. between each other. I thought that was really cool to see it presented in a different way because sometimes when they're just popping up on the screen, I'm like, I don't want to read that. I can't be bothered to read what's yeah. on there. But yeah, I think... What was different for me in the film versus the book is, yeah, those key, some of the key characters was, were missing and I wish that they kind of had that in there. But overall, I still really loved it. I thought it was a really special film. I mean, with the rate of its success, we'll probably get a sequel because that's how the world works. <laughs> <laughs> Supply and demand. So exactly right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but something else that I know you've been frothing... And to jump from one healthy love story <laughs> to 
One incredibly unhealthy love story. <laughs> <laughs> the samurai turned pretty. The love triangle that has captured the world. Yes. Um, and again, not to make this Taylor Swift the podcast, but Taylor Swift as well. Yeah. Because she's all up in that. She's everywhere. Her music is soundtracking Belly, Comrade, and Jeremiah's whatever the hell they've got going on. <laughs> Can I say, Belly is messy. Okay, I was gonna I was gonna bring this up. So okay. I went to safe the actor's Instagram, so Lola, Lola Tung, who yes. plays Belly, and her comments are flooded. People are like roasting her in her comments, and I'm like, she's an actor playing a character. Oh my God. And then there's this other half of people that are defending her, being like, Lola is just playing a character. She is not responsible for Belly's choices. So isn't that interesting that sometimes people are unable to make separate. a distinct yeah, separate the actor and the character that they're playing. And I guess it just speaks to how deeply we care True. about these characters. And me, you know, as a 28-year-old teenager, <laughs> I thought I I love them and I care so much about them. And I'm finding myself having conversations with my friends. And if I found out, you know, I'm I'm Team Conrad, I'm going on the record. I know he's <sighs> Oh my team god, Sam. it's here. It's here. Love him. We have it written down. And my friend's like, I'm Team Jet, and I'm like fighting. Fighting for Team Conrad. So isn't that so interesting that it's just like captivated everyone that much? These aren't real people. (laughs) (laughs) They're real to me. Well, I think like, and the love triangle is like, obviously it's like Taylor's oldest time. Um, But it's also like when we talk about the expression of that, because it's love, but it's also like anger, jealousy, etc. To circle it back to... Ms. Swift and the soundtrack, like, because everyone, people love the messiness of the summer I turned pretty, but they also like are very into the soundtrack because it's just like iconic songs from today. It is so iconic. And I, everything I watch, I always watch it with subtitles on. So before the song starts playing, it actually comes up on the screen. So it'll be like, Delicate by Taylor Swift playing, and I'm like, oh, you like grab the microphone. Is it good? But it's just perfect. Like, I just, every, Every episode that I watch afterwards, I'm like, they could not have chosen a more perfect song for these moments. Oh, that's nice. And I think it just makes you fall in love with the content even more. And there's one moment that I want to draw attention to especially. (sighs) So I'm ready. Without giving spoilers, there is a a very intense kind of argument scene between Conrad and Belly, and then Silver Springs by Fleetwood Mac starts playing. And... This song kind of had a resurgence to the younger audience because in Daisy Jones and the Six, another cracker show, so good, they kind of, you know, a lot of people say that there's a big comparison between Daisy Jones and the Six and the Fleetwood Mac story. Like the author took a lot of inspiration. Also, Stevie Nicks literally posted on Instagram. So (laughs) iconic, right? So that's kind of brought Fleetwood Mac to the attention of the younger audience Mm. on TikTok and everything like that. And then they use Silver Springs in this one scene. So it's just like the relevance just kind of recircles Mm. again. And it just is like so much emotion and so much passion. And then we're seeing all of the clips of Stevie Nick's doing a performance of that song, yeah. one that's like so angry, so emotionally charged. And it just like, I think even without knowing all of that background context, you can still feel that moment so much because we've all been teenagers, we've all been young. And a lot of the time, our experiences when we're that age are made to feel so silly, right? Yes. 
And I think what the summer tone pretty has done so well is show us that like, no, you're actually allowed to have these feelings yeah. about these experiences because it's all relative to everything that you've been through in your life. So exactly. I think that's why the, you know, everyone's saying, oh, 28 year old teenager. And I love this show, but I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, it's because well, we're actually have now been carved out a space where we are allowed to have these big emotions and big feelings. Exactly. And we might not have been in a love triangle with two hot brothers. I mean, one can dream. Oh, you haven't? <laughs> oh sorry. I thought that was something we all went through. But there's something that we can all draw comparison to from our own experiences yeah, as well. So, exactly. you know, Conrad, if you're listening, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> How many movies, for example, have had an original song for the soundtrack that's just taken off? Barbie has like 50 yeah. that are doing great right now. You've got like My Heart Will Go On, Celine Dion, Gangster's Paradise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a big variety there. I know. It's just my <laughs> playlist. <laughs> but... um. I also think that it's like soundtracks are like a huge part of the show. Like, do you think Summer I Turn Pretty would be as good if those songs weren't there? No, no. And it it just makes it so much more like culturally relevant as well. Like, especially all the Mm. Taylor Swift stuff, you know, she is launching her re-records first, some of them on the Summer I Turn Pretty, like albums that haven't even come out yet. So that just like creates more hype. It just Mm -hmm. gives people more things to talk about. And also even on Spotify, like Prime Video has the official playlist of the Summer I Turn Pretty and I've got it downloaded, you know, like space on your phone is limited and you really have to choose the things that you love and care about. And I care about the summer so pretty. <laughs> Fair enough. We can't blame you for your choices. Pop Sugar Rush is brought to you by Prime Video. They've got everything from award-winning movies to smash hit series like the new season of The Summer I Turn Pretty and romantic comedy Red, White and Royal Blue. And the best part? You can watch it all on your favourite devices. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting primevideo.com. Here are this week's Rushes and Crashes. Brilliant. Um, to close out this insightful, thought-provoking, um, you know, world-changing, life-altering discussion. Stunning. We have our, what we're calling our rushes and crashes, which is the entertainment news that made us feel super good, like you just like had eight sour worms and you are <laughs> raring to go. Someone had too much red drink at the pub. <laughs> too many fire engines. And they are going... Oh my god! You know what a fire engine is? Of course, I know what a fire engine is. Some people don't. Some people. <gasps> well, I'm oh, because they call with. it like a Shirley Temple. Sorry. Is that isn't that like the other name? Okay, if no. you don't know what a fire engine slash Shirley Temple is, it's lemonade with grenadine, and grenadine is like the reddest, brightest, most tastiest. It ruins you probably, yeah, but no. it's do delicious. not let your children have it. But no, I have friends that like were like, well, it's just red drink. Red drink. And I learned this recently, and we, you know, might no longer be friends. But, <laughs> <laughs> but imagine you just had a bunch of fire engines slash red drinks slash Shirley Temples, and you were just buzzing off the walls. This is the news that made us feel like that. And then our crashes, which is what happens like two to three hours after you've had all those red drinks, <laughs> when you just want to shut off from the world because you're just so tired and sad. Do you want to start or shall I, I start? I do. I would love to start. Give so me a rush. my rush for this week is Miley Cyrus. Release. Icon. Oh, she's just amazing. Releasing her new song and all of the other content that has been around that as well. So in case you missed it, Miley has released her new song called I Used to Be Young. Mm-hmm. And it is so emotional. It's such a beautiful song. Oh, she can sing. She can. She and can I feel really like her sing. vocals are so underrated. So underrated. And she it's just very stripped back. And it's just even the 
video clip for the song as well. It's just literally her singing to mm. the camera. It's just like the raw emotion is amazing. So any Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana content, I just adore it because it's so nostalgic. And yeah. I really feel like we have had the privilege of growing up with Miley Cyrus. I, I was going to say Miley like I'm on a first name basis with her. You know, yeah. me and my bestie. Well, her first name's actually... Destiny? No, she changed it. Uh, yes, Born she did. Destiny, but now it's Miley. Born Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> Unreleased Miley Cyrus song. So Miley Cyrus has launched her amazing new song, and I think we've we've just really come to appreciate who she is as an artist so much more over the years. Yeah. Of course, we know she's had a bit of turmoil over the past decade. She's mm-hmm. had a bit of a, you know, she's just gone through a lot. She's gone through a lot. She used to be young. So she's brought out this amazing new song and then also like a content series on TikTok as well, which is definitely giving like GQ magazine interviews on YouTube yes. when they go through their career highlights. And, and I don't she know, would have so many. Yeah, I don't know about you, but whenever I see like one of my favourite celebrities do an interview, I'm like, oh, nom, 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 nom. I just eat it up. Me I just too. love it so much. So it's like, <laughs> I think it's really interesting that she's done it on TikTok as yeah, well. and that she's doing it herself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And everyone's like, where can I watch this interview? Where can I watch it? And it's like, nope, you're, you're in the place. You're here. Right here. You're here, babe. Right now. My rush. And you know what? This might be my crush as well, because for reasons I'll explain, is that Selling the OC season two has just been announced and it's coming back September 8th. <sighs> just take a moment. Just take a moment. Are you familiar? I have watched previous seasons of Selling Sunsets. Okay. Yes. Um, but I watched the trailer this morning for Selling the OC and I was like, the drama. It is like, okay, so Selling Sunset, for those who don't know what Selling Sunset or Selling the OC are, it's the worst people you've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> Selling luxury houses in the OC and in, I guess, like Beverly Hills, respectively. Selling the OC is the spin-off. Selling Sunset's probably like six seasons in, you know, the Christine Quinn, the Chriselle of it all. Selling the OC is the same real estate agents. So it's the same cast, just in a different setting. No, no, it's setting. the same agents. Oh. So the Oppenheim brothers. The two Oppenheim brothers. Yeah, not to be confused with Oppenheimer, <laughs> yeah, the man like, who wow. made the bomb. <laughs> no, these guys made the bomb that is luxury real estate in LA. Um, no, they are like two short kings. They're like twin brothers. And I have never seen a company more in desperate need of a HR department. But, but Selling the OC is new agents. So, okay. like, agents who haven't been on TV before. In the first season, what I found really interesting was that they had a group of the agents that were sort of against two agents. It was, like, these two agents against the others. And the framing of the show, and just because there's two of them versus, like, I don't know, ten is that you would think that these two are the villains. They're both, like, they're both named Alex. They're both tall, hot and blonde. Like, they're quite, like, uppity. They're about their business. But <laughs> watching the show, I loved them. Mm. And I couldn't stand the rest. And not because, like, they were great villains. No, they were just doing their job. Oh, the other people just cooked. <laughs> so I was like, do you hear what you're saying? <laughs> like, some of the... Th- I was like, I cannot imagine going to work... And saying some of these things yeah. to my colleague. Like, they'll be calling the, the most foul, like, unhinged stuff ever to their colleague. It's like, probably the things that people wish that they could say out loud. <laughs> I, I don't know. But also, like, maybe. But so do we think that because they're people who've never been on TV before, they're just going to be absolutely feral? Maybe. Well, I've had a season now to, like, ingest all the feedback, we'll say. Because I'm not... 
that's very much the popular opinion is that the two villains of the show are not actually the villains. Mm. It's like Devil Wears Prada. Like, Meryl Streep's not the villain. It's Adrian Grenier. Um, but now it's the same cast coming back and they've been in the limelight. Right. One of them, I think his name's Tyler, he was in the first season, Alex Hall, who's probably like the Chris Shell of the, the cast. You know, she's the main, main one. Main character. She was accused of flirting with this guy, Tyler, who was another agent. And Tyler at the time was married to actress Brittany Snow. Yes. They have since gotten divorced. <laughs> since season Story one. arcs. <laughs> and Tyler and Alex Hall have now been spotted hanging out. Woo. <laughs> the silence is deafening. I am very excited to see how that all unfolds. Because now it's like, I feel like when you're first on, I say this as if, as if I've ever been on reality television, that when you're first on reality TV, you like you are either trying to set out a character for yourself or you're just like not really trained enough to figure out like, oh, I shouldn't say this because this will make me look this way. Yeah. They've had that, but now they have to live with the consequences of those actions. True. But now they're going to do season two where they know they're famous, um, famous, <laughs> and they also know that what they say is going to be, like, picked apart. Do you think it's possible for potentially the villains from the first season to kind of change the direction of who their, their character is? Is that possible with a show like this? Maybe. Well, I feel like in Selling Sunset, Christine Quinn was, like, ostensibly the villain. But she took that and she kind of owned it. Mm. And then she's parlayed that into, like, she's no longer with the show, but she's parlayed that into a career Outside, like, she's probably the most famous one. I would say Chriselle's the most famous, but that's just kind of maybe in Australia because she has a very famous relationship. But I feel like with these, I don't know, they're still so green to reality television. Mm. And some of the stuff they've said was so unbelievably out of pocket. The <laughs> producers are just there like, yes. I don't think they have to do anything. Yeah. Maybe just, like, feed them a few wines and then, like, just let... let <laughs> just poke them. Let them be. Like, they'll be, like, throwing... There was one where they were, like, skinny dipping. And I was like, if I were to ever skinny dip in front of any of my colleagues... First of all, I can hear my producer like retching at the thought. But she's like, Team bonding activity, guys. Exactly. HR would be on me like nothing else. I'd be like, get out. It's time for you to leave. Just like doggy paddle away. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Swimming away guys. from the team bonding. Um, but in Selling Sunset, it's like, oh, woo, fun. And I'm like, what in the hell? Like, please, for the love of God, get a HR department. And if they do have a HR department but they're not on the show, that is irresponsible management from the Oppenheim brothers who also date all the agents, which is problematic in and it of itself. It just sounds so messy. It is, which is why I watch it. That's <laughs> why I love it. Well, it just, it's just like unfiltered. Un, well, I mean, I don't know if it's unfiltered, but it's unfiltered, unhinged, and it's chaotic, which is kind of the state I'm always in. <laughs> so maybe I'm actually – maybe I'm projecting here and I'm like, oh – I see myself on the screen with those <laughs> terrible real estate agents. I think one of them, no, this is selling sunset. One of them is one of Nick Cannon's baby mothers. Oh. One of like 50 or yeah. whatever he has of those. <laughs> so she brought that drama in. I'm assuming there'll be some crossover eventually. Yeah. Because I feel like the, sellings, the sellings. Well, wow, Nick Cannon is such a throwback for me. 
Yeah. All he, all he does now is get people pregnant. Yeah. He has a lot of kids, right? 14, I think. I'm one of seven kids, and <gasps> I thought, like, I had the most siblings in the entire world, but clearly not. One of seven? Yeah. Are you the eldest? I'm second eldest. <sighs> so my youngest brother's 10, and then my older sister's 31. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah. Holy doolies. I'm one of two, and I'm the eldest by two years. Okay, well, I think I'm all Scooter Brawned out. Oh, no. I know you're all Scooter Brawned out. No, we've still got red, white, and blue. <laughs> and we've still got Taylor Swift in us, but that was so much fun. It was. Yeah. My God. Get real friends like Star. <laughs> and we cannot wait to be back inside your ears same time next Friday. Exactly. We'll be here talking all things celebrity streaming and reality TV. But for now... See ya. Ta-ta. <laughs> <laughs>